Hey there, welcome back to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles of the kingdom of God and apply them to our lives, faith, family, and community. In this episode, we have a continuation of our series on deception, where we will now dive into the concept of false teachers. We will go through several verses that warn and speak of false teaching and false teachers, as well as round it out with some explanation as to why false teaching and false teachers might have their place in the church at large. What are some reasons for them? Why would people tolerate them? These are very important questions, and they will help us to examine ourselves and the Word of God to understand how we are to deal with this kind of deception. So without further ado, we will dive in right now. This idea of false teachers is nothing new. Uh, false teachers are out there all over the place. I would, uh, I would make the argument, and I will indeed make the argument, that uh, many false teachers today maybe don't even realize that's what they are. Um, but regardless of uh, motivation, we first must understand that false teachers are a thing. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't mean that when someone is false, they will they will completely uh, reject uh, Christianity. They're not going to use the Bible. They're not going to talk, you know, uh, language and lingo. That uh, oh, that, that that sounds that sounds kind of right. That sounds oh, look, they're using a Bible verse. Um, we need to understand that false teachers can rise up within the ranks of the church. We need to realize that we are susceptible uh, to false teaching, especially when it um, when it appeals to to maybe our flesh or it appeals to maybe our tradition. We we were raised a certain way, we grew up a certain way. Uh, so so before we get into this, we really need to just take a minute and realize we are susceptible, and I. Th- think when we when we do that we will help to sort of inoculate ourselves from some of these biases like oh I, I would I would never um, I, I would never fall for that uh, look at this person over there or that person over there a false teacher I can't believe it we need to constantly evaluate test ourselves examine ourselves and I, I, I think this will this episode will actually help us do that so let's dive into uh, a couple of, of verses here. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 9 through 13 is the first place I'm going. It says, They are a rebellious people, deceptive children, children who do not want to obey the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy the truth to us. Tell us flattering things. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Leave the pathway. Rid us of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the Holy One of Israel says, Because you have rejected this message and have trusted in oppression and deceit and have depended on them, this iniquity of yours will be like a spreading breach, a bulge in the high wall whose collapse will come in an instant, suddenly. So understand the motivation behind much of uh, false teaching. We talked about false prophets before and touched on this a little bit as well, much of the motivation comes because we don't want truth. We we, we like 
certain truths and we don't like others. And when the truth becomes inconvenient, it becomes uncomfortable, especially if it means we need to change, we have to repent, we've got things that uh, that God is not pleased with or happy with. This is where often we might run the risk of sort of, instead of searching the Word and then searching ourselves and changing ourselves to conform to the Word, this is where we might start to search for a voice or a doctrine or something that appeals to us and sort of fits into our paradigm, what we already believe, what we already want to be true. And this is a very dangerous thing. Now, last time we talked about uh, false prophets, and there's there are large organizations, large swaths of people that do not even believe in modern-day prophecy. I think they're doing themselves, their congregations, their organizations a great disservice uh, because scripturally prophecy is indeed active and alive uh, today. But even if if you say, you know what, we, we yeah, we don't have a problem with false prophets because we don't believe in prophets and prophecy. Uh, it doesn't really, doesn't really help you um, except to eliminate maybe one avenue of deception. But to say that people can't be deceived right, right out of the scriptures, to say that somebody uh, can't you know, because you shut down prophecy, that therefore people can't, uh, you know, be deceived as easily. Um, that is not true. <laughs> Lots of people are deceived um, because of the manipulation or misuse or misunderstanding of the Word of God. And so, you know, enter the false teacher. So the scripture that we just read uh, talks about um, their rebellious people, deceptive children, children who do not want to obey the Lord's instructions. So they have they have the words of the Lord, they have the scriptures, they don't want to obey the Lord's instruction. Then they say to the seers and, and, and to the prophets, right, don't see, don't prophesy the truth. Uh, but, but, it, but it kind of boils down to both ends of the spectrum, right? You've got the, 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 the supernatural kind of spiritual aspect of it, uh, the, the gifts working, if I can use that New Testament language, uh, we, yeah, we don't want, you know, don't give us the truth, prophesy things, prophesy the good, right? The, the name it and claim it, the prosperity gospel, it appeals to a lot of people. It doesn't appeal to people, I think, who are truly, you know, truth-seeking and really just want the truth and really just want God. They just want the Lord Jesus to reveal himself to them and to lead them into all truth. Um, but it appeals to people who want a, they're hungry for a portion a morsel of truth, but maybe not the whole thing, because mm, the the whole thing may have uh, uh, aspects of it that they don't want to believe, or that they don't want to. I, I'll say bow the knee to uh, Matthew chapter sixteen nine through eleven is interesting. If you turn there, Matthew sixteen nine through eleven, it says, "Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets you gathered, or the seven loaves?" For the 4,000, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus is, is making this point after they've seen these miracles, warning against leaven. And he's talking about the the leaven, the teaching, 
that spread from the Pharisees and Sadducees, various things that they uh, they added to the law of God. They uh, they obviously made tradition, their man-made tradition, uh, higher than the Word of God, and they they were constantly causing issues and, and problems uh, for, obviously, well, the kingdom of God in large, but directly for the Son of God. Jesus Christ walking around on the earth, they were causing problems for the very Messiah that they claimed to be looking for. They were deceived. They were... Uh, they were preaching and teaching deception, and they uh, their teaching was likened to leaven. And so he's sitting there talking to them, talking to his disciples, and he says to beware of these things. Watch out for these things. And I think that applies to us today as well. We need to beware and to watch out for false teaching. Now, one way that we can we can be... Um, protected from false teaching is to be submitted to the Word of God, to the Word of God. We need to be submitted. This protects us from uh, false prophecy, false teaching, false brothers, just helps us with, uh, you know, against deception. And that is when we see things in the Word of God, we don't try to rationalize them away, justify them away, that kind of thing. We we truly have an attitude that we are subject to, we are slaves to, servants to, um, submitted to the Scriptures. Now, even with the Scriptures, though, there are times you can read a passage and, oh, well, I think it means this, and then you read another passage, it helps clarify things a little bit more. There are passages that maybe could be taken three or four different ways, and then you read another passage, and you realize, well, the Bible's not going to contradict itself here, and so you study a little bit, and you realize, well, two of the four possible ways are clearly not correct, because now we have this scripture, and then maybe, you you know, you study a little bit more, and you find another passage, an area, and you study it out, and you realize, you know, I've narrowed it down. This one passage that could be taken three or four different ways clearly means this in light of all the other scriptures. That kind of work, that kind of heavy lifting, is exactly what we are supposed to do. Therefore, it's imperative to have those who are leaders, teachers, people that have been there, done that. So we're not always having to recreate the wheel every generation, right? But leaders and teachers should also be open to scrutiny open and subject to question. Uh, that way, we, we kind of stay sharp, and also, um, a leader is not above or beyond uh, the possibility of being deceived. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they were leaders, they were deceived. They were knowledgeable in the, in the law and all this stuff, and yet they were still deceived. And so we need to be careful uh, to be subject to the Word of God the whole and totality of the Word of God in its context, in what it's saying. Um, and we need to uh, make lines in the sand and draw doctrines and principles of the kingdom of God from the Scriptures, from the Scriptures. So as we said last time, prophecy needs to be subject to the, to the Word of God, to the Scriptures, but also teaching. Scripture needs to be subject to the Scriptures. Now that may seem like a uh, almost like a, a truism that doesn't even need to be stated, but that's not true. <laughs> there are times people use scriptures out of context all the time. And 
we need to be leery of that and realize it is definitely possible. Obviously, um, this has been done for uh, for forever. If you go to uh, Matthew uh, chapter four and go to sort of the uh, what, what we call it, right, the temptation of Jesus, and Jesus is tempted three times by Satan. The second temptation, as found in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So he quoted scripture to try and get Jesus to behave in a certain way. You could say he he was trying to manipulate Jesus using the very holy scriptures that came from God, right? Jesus answered him, here's the key, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I think that is very key. And what I explained just a minute ago, right, the Berean way, that is that is key. It, it is also written. It, you have to use the Scriptures properly. Uh, rightly divide the Word as Paul uh, told Timothy, right? If you can rightly divide it, then you can wrongly divide it. You can wrongly use the Scriptures. You can wrongly understand them. And if we are wrongly understanding them, this happens. Uh, we Once we kind of move into and see truth or we grow in greater revelation, understanding, we just, okay, I'm submitted to the Word of God, and uh, therefore I'm going to go ahead and change what I believe to fit what the Scriptures teach. Easier said than done, but that's exactly the kind of attitude we need to have. And if we are submitted to the, to the Scriptures in that way, sub- submitted to the Lordship of Christ, then we will have a massive uh, layer of protection uh, over our hearts and minds uh, from deception. So, Acts 20, 28 through 30, we've already read this in this series, but we'll go ahead and read this again. Uh, Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Right there within the church, right there amongst your own selves, right? The apostles, the overseers, the people that he brought together. (laughs) He's saying, right, we're all susceptible. And so we have to be careful. He gives watchmen, overseers, uh, to watch for this. But what happens if an overseer goes bad? What happens if an elder or a pastor or a church leader? Well, that's why we should all know the Scriptures and we should all be following Jesus Christ on our own. Otherwise, if a leader goes, then, I mean, the whole congregation is going to just follow hook, line, and sinker, and that really shouldn't happen, even though it does, um, by and large, I would say. Because most people, I think, just they delegate their walk with God to somebody else. 
and that is dangerous. Uh, delegate that walk with God, relationship with God. Oh yeah, they might pray and they might you know read read a devotional here and there, that kind of thing. Attend service, do what that person's telling them is necessary, but they don't really have that relationship for themselves. They don't really get it for themselves, study it for themselves. And uh, so they're susceptible to, to deception from another person. Yeah, it's a sad thing, but it is true. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 14 through 18, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them, right? Side note, he's talking about the, right, the letters, the scriptures that he's writing. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So, right, backtracking here. He's telling them to grow. Who? Beloved. These are the beloved. <laughs> These are church folk, right? Not just you get sort of get saved and then just sit on a pew and coast until you're, you know, a corpse. That is not the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to continue to grow, to develop, to learn, study, grow deeper, get better, right? That, that, that's just what the Scriptures admonish us to do. So we're supposed to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He also says, hey, I've warned you this beforehand. I'm giving you a heads up, giving you a warning, just like Paul did in the book of Acts we just read. Hey, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. People are going to twist the scriptures. People are going to either through their ignorance or maybe through their own um, desire. Maybe it's uh, that they, they intentionally deceive. Maybe they're deceived themselves. But whatever the reason, whatever the underlying cause or reason, he's trying to get them to realize, guess what? Uh, this is a thing that's going to happen. And so we need to learn, grow, develop. And uh, what are they using? to twist what are they using the very scriptures so yes teachers pastors uh i i i'm not real big i mean i'll say fivefold ministry and stuff like that cuz it's not to me it's just not a point to be arguing all that much but i i think the, i think it's really fourfold i think pastors and teachers i'm not sure how you can pastor someone and have no teaching going on now that doesn't mean you're a deep you know just breaking it down line by line, teacher. So I, I can see that maybe somebody might fall more into that in that vein and still have a pastoral um, element. And I can see how someone can be more, you know, kind of that pastoral, growing, loving, you know, that kind of thing, and be less of a teacher. But I, I think people are pastors and teachers. Um, there's a sort of a combination there. Um, a teacher that doesn't have that pastoral element will probably just be a first-rate pain in the tush. 
because you know, they'll just tell people how it is. They don't even care how they don't even care how it sounds. They don't even care to try and uh, you know think about okay, how is this person going to receive? Let's you know, timing is sometimes very important when it comes to teaching. Um, just different things like that. You're not even sensitive to this person, what they're going through. What it's not that you compromise. No, 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 not at all. But Jesus was wise. Paul didn't use the same exact method every single time he went places. And so I think there's an element that the the teacher needs to be somewhat pastoral. And of course, pastoral, how are you going to help people and pastor and feed the flock if you don't know the word? You're going to be tempted to to what? Compromise. You're going to be tempted to with the easiest path for this person to kind of make some progress. Um, and and so you got to me again. Just kind of a side note there. You got to balance. You got to balance them out, pastors and teachers. But anyway, doesn't matter. Fivefold ministry. Okay, they're separate giftings. Um, at that point, okay, they need to be subject one to another. And the the teacher needs that pastoral gifting working. The pastor needs that that teaching gifting working. But the point is that teaching side can be corrupted. That teaching side, you can twist the very scriptures you're supposed to be teaching from and lead people into false doctrine, lead people into false uh, principles, supposedly of God's kingdom, but they are not. And uh, so just as we might be able to, that's right, those false prophets, get them, man. You know, you're saying those false words that didn't come from God. Yeah, and people can say false words that didn't come from God, and what they're using is not, I feel in the Spirit, or God told me, but it's, thus saith the Lord from the Scripture, or turn to verse whatever, of chapter whatever, and what they're getting ready to speak and say is completely not of God, completely incorrect, and yet they use the Bible verse. Just like Satan tried to do to Jesus, uh, we need to be careful that um, that we are, we don't, we're not overcome or deceived by this tactic of the enemy that is, uh, well, it's as old as mankind, right? You go back to the garden, and, uh, you know, did God really say? Did God really say? Uh, you know, translate that into modern uh, language, modern vernacular. Is that really what it says? Well, that's just what it means to you. Uh, that You know, that's your interpretation. That's your translation. That's... Uh-huh. Did God really say that? Is he really saying that? Or, you know, well, yeah, it says that, but, you know, you got to understand the culture of the time, and you got to understand that these people didn't understand, you know, modernity. They were not as sophisticated philosophically as I am today, and because I have an iPhone, I am somehow much smarter than they are. You know, every time you get smart, you always get a British accent. Just, you know, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> so... But, but that's that's what happens, right? We're always better than somebody that came before us. You know, we get this this um, temporal pride. You know, I came after. I've got more technology. I'm using a computer, and, and, I, and I'm driving a car, and I have a cell phone. Therefore, I'm smarter, better, you know, whatever. But that is not true. Um, might be more technologically advanced, but sometimes that can be a detriment. You know, sometimes uh, there's a lot of things with technology that actually... It actually puts a damper on things. It actually makes us dumber um, in many ways. Uh, we rely on things and, and don't have it for ourselves. We rely on some, you know, a search engine to tell us the truth, and maybe those top three searches are actually wrong. But that's all. That's as deep as we got, and so we just remain deceived. So we need to um, we need to get back to scriptures, and we need to realize that there's a danger even in uh, 
the scriptures of them being mishandled, abused, misused, intentionally or unintentionally. And I think, again, I think the last few scriptures I've read in the whole last 10 minutes, I think I've made my point. And if not, well, please let us know in the comments. I'll be happy to elaborate even more. 1 John 4, 1 through 6, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Here's the key. This is interesting. Verse 5, they, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Right? Who's the speaking? Um, uh, the speaker. Who's the us? They don't listen to us. Those who are preaching and teaching the word of God. Right? This is a, an apostle writing to the church. Um, you know, I don't think any and every, you know, school teacher can say, oh, look, I re I'm reading this, and I'm supposed to be teaching you, and you need to listen to me. No, we need to listen to the apostles and the prophets. We need to look at the scriptures as our source of doctrine, as our rock, our bedrock of truth when it comes to spiritual matters um, and the things, the, king the kingdom principles that are necessary for us as a people uh, born into the kingdom. Jesus Christ is our Lord, and uh, th this is this is what we need to understand and realize, right? That they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. People that are worldly, they're going to speak worldly things. They may put a Christian spin on it. They may package it up in you know bookends, right? They've got carnality and you know, kind of shifting sand in between, but then they bookend it with a couple of scriptures. That does not mean it's true. And we got to be careful, very careful. Um, and the world listens to them. I would say when the world is super buddy-buddy with a minister, that is suspicious. Because, I mean, I mean, and again, I mean the world... Not someone from you know who who is not in Christ, who is hungry for God. They want to repent. They want to change. I'm talking about the comfortable. They're out there enjoying their carnality, enjoying the materialism, enjoying whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> enjoying doing their own thing and not listening to the commands of God. When that kind of person doesn't have any issue with the things being taught and preached. Uh, from someone that's supposedly of God, that's at least a cause to raise an eyebrow. Now, again, maybe somebody's just respectful or whatever, but when you come to someone and say, this is sin, and they want to do that thing, whatever this is, this is sin. God does not approve. This is something that will keep you separated from God. It is something that will, you know, when judgment comes in eternity, it will send you in the direction you probably don't want to go, right? That, I mean, that's going to rub people the wrong way. Now, they may say, well, I just agree to disagree or whatever, but they're not going to just be like, yeah, man, yeah, 
Okay, cool. See? Because when you're of the world, you speak to things of the world. And the world reciprocates. Pulpits, ministries, churches that have gobs of just carnal people just eating it up. There's something wrong there. There's going to be a natural, I'll say, attrition in a in a healthy church. There's going to be a good group of people that come and they just they don't come back. They come for a little while until they hear a message that just it it, it puts the spotlight on them. The word kind of puts the mirror up and says, hey, this is you. This I'm talking to you. God starts speaking to them, and they've got a choice. Repent, bow the knee to Jesus Christ, make him Lord, or I don't want to come to a place that's going to make me feel uncomfortable in my, in my sin. Well, that's natural. That's supposed to happen. This seeker-sensitive, sort of relativistic Christianity that is, of course, just false doctrine— it only works on a carnal crowd. It only works on the world. People who are worldly, but I'll say, quote-unquote, Christian enough to go ahead and sit through a service on a Sunday, right? But but, but, but they're not going to, I mean, you know, they're going to creep that thing down. I don't want to be here longer than I need to be. They're not eating up the Word. They're not there for ministry. They're not going to hang around for prayer afterward. They're not, they're not going to, you know, show a life of this thing, but really just a place to appease their conscience, Right? That's just a worldly church, which is not a church. <laughs> okay. So this is this is what he's saying. There's a there's a dichotomy here. There's a there's a distinction here. They are from the world, we are from God. They speak the things of the world and the world listens to them. We speak the things of God, and guess what? The people who are not of God will not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And there are many places, many churches, many ministries that are they're in error. They're not in truth uh, because they are um, speaking the things of the world. They're speaking the things of sometimes even the kingdom of the enemy, <laughs> right? Um, we, we need to realize that that is, I don't think we always um, need to go directly there. I think there are certainly less nefarious um, <laughs> I think there's a certainly le- less nefarious issues. Um, but let us also say, right, what is it, First Timothy 4 and 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceptive spirits and teachings of demons. Folks, that is a thing. Okay, that is still a thing. That is, rea- that is real. There is such a thing deceptive spirits, teachings of demons. Check this one out, 2 Timothy 3.13. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So motivation can be different. Some people can be truly motivated. It's a doctrine of of demons, and I, and they know it. They know it's false. They know it's not true, and they'll still teach it because maybe money, power, control, tradition, pressure, I don't, you know, whatever. But they know it's not true. Others will teach things that it's not true. It's a doctrine of demons, but they actually buy in. They are sincere. They think it's true. So sincerity isn't the test of whether something is false, because um, you can be sincerely wrong. And so we need to be people of the Word, people who examine things from 
the Scriptures, people who are subject to the Word of God, subject to the Holy Scriptures, subject to one another, subject to being questioned. We're submitted to being, hey, give me a tough question. Okay, challenge what I believe. But when you do, let's sit down, break bread, and use the Scriptures as our ultimate truth, as our guideline, as our you know foundation which to argue. Uh, because if you don't have some foundation, well, then everything's relative, and then therefore nothing is true. If every, if things are relative, then nothing is true. Because if it's just relative, then well, you know, murder's bad. Well, is that true? Right? Is that true, or is it just true because you're you know Western mindset and you you don't like it? Right? And again, we can go we can do this all day with whatever it might be. That's why you need some kind of bedrock of truth. And so I think when it comes to the kingdom principles of, uh, of God, the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, those need to be fleshed out from the scriptures. Uh, I'm going to end here, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. All right, so we're talking kingdom principles. We're talking his kingdom. What's the charge? Verse 2. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So what's he saying here? Well, first he puts it in the context of, guess what? You are accountable to God. Right? You are accountable to our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to be the ultimate judge. And so what should we do? Preach the word. Don't go beyond it and don't water it down. Be ready in season and out of season. So we always just need to be ready that, I think that goes back to the grow, constant growing, studying, learning, subjecting ourselves to examination, uh, self-examination, other people's challenging us, um, but, but always, always, always bringing it back to the Word, always back to Holy Scriptures. Uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Yes, yes, we are supposed to exhort, we are supposed to, we are supposed to rebuke, right? Leaders in the church especially, we, there are times when a a good rebuking or admonishment actually is necessary. And we need to do it with love, he says, with complete patience and teaching. Okay, so we do need to have patience with people. We need to, okay, they've got another question. Oh, they're bringing up another thing they've heard. They, they're they at they're challenging with this other verse over here. Okay, let's be patient with people. Let's let people be Berean. Let people examine. Let I don't think, you know, I was listening to an atheist recently you know, just decry the you know, the horrors of religion, and he was saying that, you know, one of the problems is that things are unquestionable. You can't question. Things are beyond, 
you know, um, examination or scrutiny. And I think that's not true. That's that that's a sad state of affairs when you feel like you can't go ask, you know, a preacher a question or even challenge what they said. They, ah, I, I don't see how that's true. Or what about this? What about that? Now that that puts again more work on the on the minister, the preacher, whatever. They they can't just say it and everybody just nods and goes home. Um, but that's why there's that constant growing uh, connection and relationship with Jesus Christ, all that stuff that has to be maintained. Um, so, but then he says, right, why? why? What is all this? What's going on? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They don't want it, right? And I'm not saying, oh, nobody wants this. No, I'm not saying there's plenty of people who do, but there are lots and lots and lots of people who do not. Now, notice it doesn't say they don't want any teaching. <laughs> and that he actually goes on to say, but having itching ears, what are they going to do? They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. What's that mean? Folks, if there wasn't a market for false teaching, right? It's get, getting back to free enterprise, baby, the free market. If there wasn't a market for false teachers, it's, I mean, there'd be false teachers, but they, uh, it wouldn't be much of a thing, Right? The reason there are false teachers, the reason this happens, the reason there are people that are have much money and power and influence because and they're false teachers, false doctrine, is that there are tons and tons and tons, there's gobs, there's uh, just swarms of people who want that false teaching. They want to be told, nah, don't worry, you're, you're the bomb diggity, Jesus just loves you just how you are. He loves you just how you are, but... In his love and in his grace and mercy, he requires us to what? Repent. He requires us to align with him. He he didn't just love you from afar, but, well, I just love you. You know, just keep on as you were. Just love you as you were. <laughs> right? I say this sometimes. Um, you know, this, uh, this attitude in, in a lot of this seeker-sensitive kind of, kind of carnal, worldly attitude that, that creeps into the church um, is come as you are, leave how you came. Come as you are, leave how you came. Now, I, I agree with come as you are. I don't believe you have to clean yourself up just to make the steps toward God. But come as you are and leave changed by the power of Jesus Christ. See, that's the, that's the difference. Come as you are, but you will be challenge. Come as you are, but there's going to be conviction. Come as you are, but there needs to be repentance. Come as you are and leave changed. Not come as you are and come back next week the exact same. That's, I mean, that's the, you know, that appeals to a lot of people. And that's why there's a lot of crowds around false teachers. Um, again, God's not against crowds, but if there wasn't a market for it, then it really wouldn't be much of a thing. But they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So whatever flavor you or someone else may want, whatever mixture of truth and lies, maybe it's 10% lies for some with a dash of total absurdity, and then some people maybe it's you know 20% total absurdity. And just a little bit of truth, and the rest of it just kind of like, you know, kind of baseline. Again, 
Satan, I'll say, is a master chef. He's a master chef. He will cook up whatever it is that you want. You walk into his restaurant, and he's going to say, you tell me what you want, and I will whip that up for you. That's the issue. Suit their own passions. You you want to believe that this sin over here is totally A-OK, and yet I'm still going to have Jesus. I'm still going to make it to heaven. I'm still going to be... Guess what? There are churches that will accommodate. You want to hold on to this level or that level of carnality. You don't want to bend... You want to bend the knee to Jesus in this area of your life, but not that area of your life. There are many false teachers that will accommodate. They were happy to accommodate. You know, as long as there's that market, they can they can get that, you know, power, money, influence, whatever it is. They were they're happy to accommodate. But the problem is this next verse, right? And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the myths. But remember that remember remember <laughs> verse one. Jesus is coming to judge. It's in the context of Jesus is coming to judge. He's not going to judge by, oh, you wanted, you know, 5% Buddhism and 15% worldliness and carnality and then 80% Christianity? Okay, I'll judge you by that. He is going to judge by, no, this is the truth. You want to wander off into a myth? You've wandered from the truth. And it's only the truth that will truly make us free. Not some watered-down version, not some, you know, version that's derived from our, a mixture of our itching ears, our passions, what we want to hear, and truth. That's why we have got to stick with the truth. And now verse 5, as for you, right, the one who is trying to stick to truth, the one who's teaching, preaching, preaching that word, always be sober-minded, be aware, be alert. That is, lots of false doctrine can creep in. We can start buying into it. We need to be sober-minded. We need to be balanced. We need to not get overly harsh or overly empathetic. We need to just be true to what the Word of God is, loving people, gracious, patient, all that stuff, but firm on the Word. And then this next phrase, (laughs) endure suffering. Folks, people are going to say mean things. People are going to come against. People are going to rise up. And if they can, depending on the society, the times, what's going on, if they can, they will physically harm and hurt and shut up people who preach the truth of the kingdom of God. Oh, make no mistake about it. Just because people don't do that in some countries and some places today doesn't mean that they wouldn't absolutely love a law change where they can abs- they can just silence the preaching against sin, the preaching against carnality, and even physically harm and maybe even maim and kill people who would dare to teach and preach against what the world wants to hear. So, very apropos, endure suffering, okay? (laughs) Do the work of an evangelist, Reach out. Find those people that are not this way. Find those people that do want the Word. And oh, thank God when you find them and pour it into them and pour it into them, pour it into them. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. Right? 
fulfill. How are you going to fulfill the ministry? By preaching that word, by understanding these things about people that just, they want to hear false doctrine. Don't give it to them. Preach the word. Be sober-minded. Endure the suffering that's probably going to come. Find those people as an evangelist. Do that work. Find those people that are hungry and will repent and will come to God. And don't be a false teacher. Be a true teacher of the word of God. So be not deceived. Watch out for false teachers. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has uh, challenged and helped you. Once again, don't forget to subscribe and uh, follow us on Spotify and the various podcast services. Love you guys. God bless you. And definitely looking forward to catching up in the next podcast.